The revival of 1858 was also called the Prayer Revival. It was also referred to as the Layman's Revival. And all three of those are really important. 1858 was the year in which it happened. <clears throat> it was born on the wings of prayer and sustained through prayer, and really a significant aspect of this revival. And like earlier revivals and post-revivals, you know, had some key pastor or evangelist or preacher, it didn't have that. It had a layman. The Old North Church in New York City was dying pastor said, I've had enough. He resigned. And the people said, well, what are we going to do? And they said, well, let's, let's ask Jeremiah. He, he's, he loves the Lord. He's a faithful deacon in our church. Let's ask him to be our pastor. So Jeremiah Lanfear was said, I'm, I'm a businessman, guys. I'm, I'm not a pastor, a preacher type kind of guy. But they said, no, we want you to be our, our new pastor. So in September of 1857, he said, well, I don't know a lot about pastoring and, and so forth, but I do know, we, I know it's important to pray. So why don't we just get together at the church at noon, September 24th, 1857, and let's get together and just pray and, and ask God to help our church. Church is dying. Pastor, he left. And while we're at it, look at our nation. Here we are in 1857, 1858. There's so much societal conflict in our nation. I mean, we, we've, got, we, we've got talk of a civil war. We, we have people that are so upset with the way things are going in our nation that there's talk of succession. We're, we're talking about our brothers in the South just saying, we've had enough with you people in the North, and the North saying, we've had enough of you people in the South, so we're just going to split, and we're going to fight it out. Let's pray for our nation. And church wasn't much better. There was a pastor named William Miller. He made a dumb remark. And pastors, we can make some stupid remarks. He said, God told me. This was 1843. And, and Jesus told me that he's coming again on, and he gave the date. I think I even wrote the date down. Yes, he said, March the 21st. 1843, Jesus told me he's coming again, so you better get ready. I'm sorry to say he was a Baptist. I'm sorry. I had to put that in there, but he was, he, unfortunately. Well, he, he started preaching that. I mean, he started teaching that, and 50,000 people believed him. Another 1 million people in America. We only had 30 million in 1858. And they were cautiously expectant. Well, guess what happened on that day in 1840? Guess what happened? Nothing happened. We could have told him that because Jesus said, no man knows the time that I'm coming. So what happened as a result of that? The, the people in America just said, religion, bunch of nitwits, date setters, prophecy guys. And so... Society was in a tough way. The economy was in a tough way. Religion was in a tough way. And New York City was in a tough way. And they've lost their pastor. And they said, well, let's just pray. So here they come, September 24th, 1857. And I just want to ask you guys, would y'all just join me for a time of prayer? Well, guess how many people showed up? Three. <laughs> I resemble that statement. So, you know, I get excited sometimes as a pastor. Anybody want to pray? And we'll have a handful. But he wasn't discouraged. He said, let's do it again next week. At noon, in the Old North Church here in New York City, 
In fact, I want to call out the businessmen. You, you businessmen, would y'all just take an hour away from your business and, and make your way on over here to where we're located in New York City and just join me at the altar and let's have a time of prayer. Well, guess how many people showed up? Six. <laughs> and he wasn't deterred. He said, by the way, again, I don't know much about preaching and pastoring and shepherding. I do know a lot, a lot about praying, so come next week. Ten weeks later. They were praying, and they had 20, 20. But then God did something. Soon thereafter, 10,000 businessmen were showing up to pray every noon for revival in America. 10,000. So this revival was born through prayer. It was born in a very difficult day, right before you know, the, the, um, the Civil War was going to happen in 1861. And here's some of the results that happened in the United States. 480 towns re responded by saying, we have had sudden, spontaneous outbreaks of revival. We can't explain it. But it's like we come to church, and church is different. The Spirit of God just moves upon us, and people are giving their lives to Christ, and people are getting right with one another, and it's just like revival. Where did this come from? And people say, well, there's a group that's been praying. Now, this is the part that just astounds me, and I, I'm just going to say it to you, and it's the truth, and you can check it out. One million of the 30 million people in the United States of America were converted to Christ in 1858. Is that not amazing? I tell you, times may be dark, but they're not as dark as they used to be. I mean, we're not about to divide. Are we? Are we about to split up and duke it out with brothers and sisters over, over uh, issues? No. I love to study the awakenings. I love to study revivals because I, I believe, even though, you know, things aren't like they were in 1858, I, I, I know things are hard. And I know times are tough in our nation. We have a very divided nation. I, I'm 50, I'll be 53 next month, and I've never in all my life seen so much just bitter criticism and meanness. I'm talking about in the political world. I mean, where Republicans, you know, they can't agree with the Democrats. The Democrats are not going to agree with the Republicans. And the Independents say, you're all crazy. And we're just like, oh, my word. It's just, it's just like, God, please please help us. And, and I know, and I know that you know that our only hope, our real hope is not in the, in the White House. It, it's, I believe it's in God's house. I believe it's the church. And I believe it's when we come together and we pray and we honor God and preach his word and do what he's calling us to do. I believe God will again visit us with great revival and awakening. Well, here we are in Nehemiah chapter 9. I want to share with you the, another message from the word of God about the, the book of uh, Nehemiah. I read this week a great article by W.A. Criswell. W.A. Criswell was a great pastor at the First Baptist Church of Dallas, that little mission church, you know, just north of us, uh, run a few people. And W.A. Criswell, he pastored that church for 50 years. Can you imagine? The pastor before him, uh, he pastored the same church for 50 years. So in 100 years, they had two pastors. And W.A. Criswell would get his Bible, and he would do it like this. And he'd say, First Baptist Church, he says, I'm a man under authority. This book is the Word of God, and I'm going to preach it, and I'll make you a promise. Every single time you come to the First Baptist Church, you will hear this pastor preach you a biblical, expositional message from the Word of God. And he was true to his Word. And I'm no W.A. Criswell, but I give you the same promise. Every Sunday, 
You come into this place. I'm a man under authority. I'm going to preach the Word of God. And every Sunday except one, I'm going to preach a biblical, expositional, textual-driven sermon. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you guests are going, what about the one, you know? <laughs> it's a bad sermon. There's really only two types of preaching, expositional and bad, okay? I, I really believe that. Because I'm not up here as a philosopher, as an expert on culture. I'm not cool, funny, and all that stuff. I'm a preacher of the Bible, okay? And I, that's who I am. That's what I do. I teach you the Word of God. The only sermon I think is... It's just, it's not biblically driven. It's the once, the first Sunday of the new year when I preach the vision of the church and say where we've been, who we are, and where we're going. And thank you all for indulging me on that because I think it's important to at least cast that vision. So here we are in Nehemiah chapter 9, and I'm going to spend most of my time on verses 1 through 5. And then verses 6 through 15, toward the end of the sermon, I'm probably just going to have you all stand up, and we're just going to read the Word of God, okay? And uh, that's how we'll close out my sermon today. So... Verses 1 through 5 is really the heartbeat of what I want to get out today. Uh, this revival continues on the wings of prayer and obedience and fasting and seeking God. Uh, remember the years about 444, 432, somewhere in this time frame. The wall of Jerusalem has been completed. And those who have left um, the, the, the land of the Medes and the Persians, they've made their way back to their homeland of Jerusalem. And God is visiting His people again. I mean, Ezra has stood up and read the Word of God for six hours, and the Levites and the, the people, the leadership, they are waiting. They're just praying and seeking God, and then God just begins to show up in a phenomenal way, and it was an extraordinary way. And by the way, a real revival is when God does the extraordinary. When, when we jettison the business as usual, and we just say, God, we want to hear you. We want to see you, and that's, that's what I'm praying for, for our church for our nation, for our world, to be honest. So verse 1 says, Now on the 24th day... Ah, I forgot my contact lenses. By the way, if you get those, make sure you wear them. All right, they're no good unless you... Ah, there it is. You got large print? Thank you, brother. But that's a larger print than that print. So I'm just going to read on the big screens, all right? You ready? The 24th day of, of Tishri, the month about October... Remember, they had the days 15 through 21, they had just this tabernacle, you know, the booths, and then they had the solemn assembly on the 22nd. They rested on the 23rd, and then on the, on the 24th, here they come. On this month, the children of Israel will as, were assembled with, and it's so fascinating to me, that the very first thing, the characteristic of this move of God, this revival that's continuing, the very first thing that the Bible mentions is not preaching, it's not even praying at this time, and it's not singing, but it is fasting. Fasting. Now, they didn't have media fast back then because they didn't have no media, all right? They didn't have no, you know, phones and TVs and internets and stuff, but they did have food. And so they were with... They were doing without food in order that those hunger pains would drive them closer to God and ask for God's favor upon their land, okay? That's characteristic number one. They were fasting in sackcloth and with adama, adam, right? Dust, the Hebrew word where we get the word dust is adam because God created adam out of the dust of the earth. And they put dust on their heads. Then those of the Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners. 
And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God. I love that. The Torah, Yahweh, Elohim. Torah, the law of the Yahweh, the Lord their Elohim God, for one-fourth of the day. That is about three hours, okay? And then for another fourth of the day, they confess their sins to God, and they worship the Lord their God for all of these hours. And you're like, man, this is different. What's going on? Fasting and worshiping and reading the Bible? What is going on in their day? Well, it's, it's a move of God. It's extraordinary. And, and God is just doing a unique, special work. Don't y'all desire that today? Man, I do. Man, I desire for God to move upon Great Hills Baptist Church. I mean, in unprecedented ways. I'm talking about may the glory days of this great church be in the future, not some relic in the past. I mean, may, may, it be, may we be on the wings, on the very precipice of God doing something phenomenal. Well, are you willing, Brother Danny, to lead us to do what they did in order for us to see God move? And I am. And I am. With fasting, with prayer. Dr. Murray, I remember in a meeting one time you said, he said, if we're going to talk about, and this was a day a few years ago, and it was hot and heavy around here about what you wear. Because if you didn't wear a coat and a tie, it was on like Donkey Kong around here. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, people got really, really upset. And Dr. Murray in a meeting one time, he said, guys, hold on just a second. If we're going to talk about what we're going to wear in church, we ought to talk about sackcloth and ashes. And I just want to go hug all six foot ten of him, you know, just, just hug him and say, God bless you. You know why? Because he's right. It's not so much what you wear on the outside, it's what your heart looks like on the inside. And so these people, though, they put on the sackcloth and the ashes, and we're not going to do that. I know that disappoints some of you, but we're not going to do that, all right? Now, Carice, if you want to do that, hey, you do that. Then we'll all come to you and get our hair cut afterward, all right? Good. Now, y'all help me in verse 4, because these are some names that, man, a country boy from Alabama trying to pronounce Hebrew names, that is com comedy if I've ever heard it. Then Jeshua and Bani, Cadmiel, Shabani, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani number two, and Chenani or whoever stood on the stairs of the Levites and they cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And then the Levites, those dear brothers said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And there it is. That's how the revival continues. And we'll read verses 6 through 15 in just a few minutes. Because verses 6 through 15 are basically, it's just, it's just shouting time. The people are just, they're going through their history. And they're remembering the big days, the benchmark days of like creation and God choosing Adam and God choosing Moses and the Red Sea and, the, and God giving the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And it's, it's recounting. And by the way, we're going to do that in a moment. We're just going to read it and just say, God, thank you for who you are. But the first thing I want to talk to you about today in my sermon is revival, as we're seeking God for revival at Great Hills Baptist Church, I'm going to lead us to point number one, a time of fasting. Now, two weeks from Tuesday, we're going to have an all-church fast. And that will be the first of six fasts that we're going to have between August and September. 
And those days just happen to fall on a Tuesday. There's nothing really spectacular about that. It's just a Tuesday, August the 8th, when we begin the fast. And I don't know how y'all going to do it, but I'll, I'll eat dinner on Monday night, and I won't eat again till Tuesday night. That's just how I'm going to do it, about a 24-hour fasting seeking God. Some of you guys are going to say, I am not going to read my Facebook for a day. Pray for me, please, because some of you are like, yeah, I got to have it, you know. And I'm not talking about teenagers. <laughs> uh, y'all got something else going on. I mean, all these chat, Insta chat and Instagram, y'all got it going, all that other stuff. The old folks ain't caught up with it, and y'all are like, yes, you know, yes. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to just, just put it down. You know, whatever it is, yours, yours may not be food. I like food so much that when I don't eat it, I'm like, why am I not eating? And I'm getting hungry. I'm like that guy on the Snickers, you know. I turn into something different, you know. And I'm like, give, give, me, give me some food. And yet when I get real hungry and I miss my breakfast and I miss my lunch, God's going to say to me, remember why you're doing this. Oh, that's right, Lord, bless my church. Bless Great Hills Baptist Church. Oh, God, would you give us unity like we've never seen before. God, would you send revival upon us, Lord, like we've never seen. God, may there be a spirit of peace and joy. And, and God, grow our church and bring new people to our church. And, oh, God, we're birthing. We're birthing this new church, Cornerstone Church. Oh, God, would you bless them. That's what I'm going to do all day. Now, I've got work to do like you do, and I've got other things I have to do, and you do too. But when those hunger pains strike you, and then at noon, come noon, we'll, we'll, we'll meet together. It may be a Jeremiah Lanfear, and three of you may show up. And that's all right. Yeah, really? I'm going to tell you something. That's all right. Because if God is here, we're in the majority. Amen? If God comes, there's three of us. August the 8th at noon, a bunch of hungry Baptists coming to the church. Listen, if you come in here with a Snickers and a Coke, I'm going to grab you. All right? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm serious. I want to take that from you and, and eat it because I'm going to be hungry, but we're going to, be, we're going to sing a couple of songs, and we're just going to get on our face and pray to God, okay? Prayer and fasting. The Israelites did it, and as I noticed in the text a moment ago, they, the, the, the coarse garment of goat's hair was the sackcloth, okay? You say, why do that? Well, they just took it to another level. They just, it, it, it was a sign of just weakness. It was a sign of... We're not relying on anything else but you, oh God, and this is very humbling, wearing this old scratchy, itchy goat's hair. And, and while we're at it, we're just going to put dust on our heads, just reminding us that we're nothing. God, you're everything. You created us from the dust of the earth. You created Adam. And God, you love us. You love this nation. And we're just praying, God. We're, we're fasting for the nation of Israel, oh God. Help us never to do what we just did. Help us never to so disobey you and dishonor your laws and your commandments so that you chastised us and put us in Babylonian captivity. God, we've been there. We don't want to do that again, oh God. And so that's point number one. Point number two is consecration. Consecration in this text refers to the part where they separated from their pagan wives. Now, just, just going to be real with you. Here's, here's what happened. God told them, do not marry pagan women. Their God is not your God. And if you, if you get married to some lady who worships Chemosh or Baal or one of the gods of the Ammonites and Amorites and Perizzites and Jebusites, if you marry a lady, she's going to bring her gods into the camp and God's going to be very displeased with that because he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. All right? 
He doesn't want us worshiping other gods. He wants us worshiping him. And so they said, okay, that's it. I'm, 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 putting, I'm putting this away from me. And so we are dedicating and consecrating ourselves to God as a nation of Israel. Now, what's the dynamic equivalent for that? No, it's not divorce, okay? But, but what is it? What, what is it that God wants you to say, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that anyhow, so why don't you just go ahead and put that away? Why, why don't you let that go? And by the way, I could list a lot of things like weed and pornography and overeating, overdrinking. That's just sins of the flesh. But I, I, don't, I don't think those are as severe as the sins of the Spirit at our church. Anger and bitterness and jealousy and uh, offense and those kind of things. So what I'm going to ask you to do as we enter into a time of revival and spiritual awakening is to say, God, rid me of those things. And God, I'm sorry for doing those things. I'm a member of Great Hills Baptist Church. They are dependent on me, oh God. God, I know that you use weak vessels. You just don't use dirty ones. So Lord, clean me up. Clean me up, oh God. And help me, God, because I'm a sinner and I like those things. And would you take those things from me? And, and, and Lord, please just do a work in our church and do a work in me. That's, that's what I mean by consecration. The Bible says in Leviticus 19.6, it says, Be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. The children of Israel had jettisoned that commandment. They had Holiness was about as popular then as it is today. <laughs> When's the last time in America you had a sermon on holiness? Holiness? Oh, I've heard a holy hoot nanny, but what's a holy thing? You know, a holy is like... That's for them really radical religious people because if I want to do something, I'm going to do it, brother. If I want to sin, I'm going to sin and then I'm going to come to church and get right with God. Then I'm going to leave and I'm going to sin again. And then God is not going to visit Great Hills Baptist Church because of you. So I'm asking you to put that stuff away. You say, well, I just might find me another church that don't preach on holiness. Good night. Don't leave. I mean, with the last thing we need is a bunch of people to leave. The, 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 the best thing we need is a bunch of people to stay and get right with God. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you for that, all right? <laughs> Leviticus 19.6 is quoted in 1 Peter 1.16, for it is written, Be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. Some of us Baptists translate that, be weird because we're just supposed to be weird. We're not supposed to be odd for God. We're not supposed to be some weird. We're supposed to be right with God and loving God and, and, and not just mean and point our fingers at people. But I'll tell you what, the older I get, the more and more and more I appreciate the grace of God. Man, God saved me as a, I mean, as a lost religious young man. And I'm thinking, God, had you not just had mercy upon mercy upon me, I would have died and gone to hell. But God, you saved me. And the older I get, the more grace and the more mercy and the more love I want to pour out on people. I'm serious. The next characteristic of revival, according to, I got all these notes with no sense in looking at them. You can't read them, right? <laughs> forget your glasses. Forget your uh, eyeballs. Confession. Confession is good for the soul. Do you see that? Three hours. I think it's verse, uh, what is it, verse 2, verse 3. They stood up and they confessed for hours upon hours, just confessing their sins to God and confessing their need for God. And 
I, I tell you, I don't, I don't want to wait till August the 8th. I mean, if we have something to confess to the Lord, let's, let's confess it to God. Uh, let's pray and say, Lord, for, forgive me, and Lord, take this away from me, and I confess it to you as it is. You know, there's, first of all, it says they confess their sins, and then it says they confess their iniquities. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, we just read it on the screen, or you, you did a moment ago during the, the interlude between the music and the sermon. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, and it cannot say. That was Psalm 51 where he said, Confess God and wash me, God, of these things. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Watch this. But your sins, your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that God's not going to hear your prayers. That's big stuff, y'all. That's, biz that's doing business with God, confessing those sins. The, the Greek word in, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, homo legeo, Homo is the same. Lagos is the word. If we say the same thing that God says about sin and turn away from it, God is pleased. And God says, thank you. I want you to be righteous. I want you to be holy. I want you, I want you to let me live my life through you. But as long as there's this barrier of sin, as long as you're doing these things and saying these things and thinking these things that are not right, and you know they're not right, so come on and and ask me, and just all you have to do is ask me. And, and God says, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will, I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. I will put them in the plummets in the depths of the ocean so that I'll remember them no more. All you got to do say is, God, I'm pleased, please, please. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And God says, thank you. That's all I ask you to do. And mean it with your, with your heart. <sighs> this kind of interesting story, but I, I thought I'd tell it because it kind of break, because I knew it'd get hot and heavy about right now. We're talking about holiness and consecration and, and that sort of thing. So here's the story. It goes like this. This lady went to a judge and she said, uh, we, we want a divorce. My husband and I, we want to get a divorce. And the judge said, well, uh, do you have any grounds? And she said, no, just two acres. And <laughs> And the judge says, no, 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 that's not it, lady. I mean, do, do, you, do you have a grudge? And she says, well, no, Your Honor, we, we, we park right outside the, the house there. You know, we don't. He said, no, no, ma'am, not, not a garage. Does your husband beat you up? She said, no, I get up before he does every, every morning. <laughs> and the judge said, well, why are you asking for a divorce? And she said, because we just don't communicate very well together. <laughs> and I thought about that, and I'm like, that's funny, but I don't want to do that. I want to communicate well with you, and I want you to communicate well with, with one another. But most of all, I want us to communicate well with God. And the way we do that is through confession, saying the same thing that God says about it, repentance, turning away, Lord, forgive us. The next one I love to talk about is a focus on the Word of God. And that for sure is found in verse 3, because for three hours... Uh, for one-fourth of the day, it says, they read the Bible. You say, well, Brother Danny, you got a dynamic equivalent for that one? Brother Daniel, do we? Yes, we do. The last three or four days of our 40 days of prayer and fasting, we are going to have 24-7, church is going to be open, and we're going to have a Bible up here. 
And we're going to ask you to come and sign up in 20 to 30 minute increments and read your portion of the scripture. And we're, it's going to probably take three or four hours. And I don't, it's probably going to be hot. It's probably the air conditioner's not going to be on, and that's okay. It's all right. It's, it's revival. All right. We make sacrifices. And we're, we're trying to build in a little more time because we think what's going to happen is some of you are not going to be able to finish reading it. The Spirit of God is just going to be so heavy on you, you're going to have to take like 30 minutes, an hour to read it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stand and publicly read the Scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, and we're going to do it for three or four days, asking God to help us honor His Word and to, and to just, just hear from Him. And, and, and by the way, you'll probably be the only... You won't be the only one in here, ladies, don't worry, because we will have some guys. And guys, I'm, I'm just stepping out on faith on this, all right? I'm hoping that some of you guys will say, Brother Danny, I will guard the gate. I will help people and make sure that no bad guys come in because if that's what you really want to do and you want to read the Bible all the way through, then, then we're in. And so, guys, we are going to be asking you to help us with this, okay? Focus on the Word of God. And I'm so excited about this. I mentioned W.A. Criswell a minute ago. He, um, for 50 years, he, he preached this, this amazing book. The Scarlet Thread of Redemption, Genesis to, to Revelation. And he had a guy named Jack Pogue that started visiting his church. And somebody asked the businessman, Jack Pogue, I think we've heard of him. We've talked about him before. Um, they said, why are you visiting First Baptist Dallas? There's all kinds of churches in the area. And he said, well, I, I go to a liberal church, and the pastor tells a lot of stories. And he, he's, he's funny. You know, it's It's, it's entertaining. He said, man, when I come to church, I'd like to hear from God. I'd, I'd like, I, know, I know the funny, and I know the philosophy, and I know the coolness, but is there anybody going to talk about God and the book and the Bible? And he goes, and I came, and W.A. Criswell did something really crazy. He put the Bible over his head, and he made us a promise. And I'm telling you, I visited every Sunday, and every Sunday I've been here, every single time he preaches the Bible, I want to join this church. And then he made this statement. And this statement has gotten all over me. I can't get away from this statement. And Jack Pogue, the businessman, said, when I come to church on a Sunday, I want the pastor to be preaching from the same book that I've been reading every day of the week. And I wonder if that's not some of the disconnect I'm preaching from the book, but are you reading the book every day? You say, well, aren't you all righteous, holier than thou? No, it could be worse. I could tell you a story about a pastor, what he did to this couple. I'll tell you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> he went to eat dinner with them, and he stole their spoon. Stole the silver spoon. The pastor did. Pastor James, don't do that. All right? Don't please. You're a pastor. We are not to steal. And the family, they were like, where's the silver spoon? And we think the pastor took it. We really do. We think he stole the spoon. It was really nice silverware. They're like, surely he did steal the spoon. And so months, months passed, and, and they finally went up to him, and they said, Pastor, we, we got to ask you a question. This has been bothering us for weeks and weeks, for months now, for months. We really think you stole our spoon. Did you? 
He said, yeah, kind of. I put it in your Bible. <laughs> and they said, okay, thank you, Pastor. And they went on, you know, put it in your Bible. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do for 40 days prayer, intermeeting with fasting, seeking God, worshiping God, and, and we're going to read the Word of God for three or four days. And then finally, the last thing I want to share with you in part five is three sections here. It's worship, petition, and praise. If you want to write those down, it's worship, verse three, petition, verse four, and praise, verse five. These are still some of these characteristics of revival. The Bible says in verse three, they shaka God. They mean, that means they bow down and they physically prostrated, prostrated themselves before God and they worshiped God. Let me go through these quickly. Verse 4, they cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Some people I, I've read and I agree with them, they believe this was petitioning God. That they were calling out, crying out to God, Lord God save, God help, God give us a job, God help our church, God do this, do that. And, and so they're petitioning God. And then the last one is praise. The Levites tell the people, stand up and bless the Lord your God. And so they stood up and they read the Scripture, or they, they stood up and they praised God and they recounted the Scriptures. So let's all stand, and then I'll just read the Word of God to us. And uh, when we're finished reading the Bible together, we'll have our invitation and actually get out a little early, which is amazing. And uh, don't get used to it, but anyhow, we're, we're going to get out a little early. So verses 6 through 15, I'll just read it quickly, but what I want you to hear, what I want you to hear is giving God glory. They're just praising God. And when revival comes, it's not about a man, it's about the king. And it's not about us, it's all about him. Now, I just want you all to know something, just let you in on a little secret. Your staff at Great Hills Baptist Church, we're desperate for God. We're praying. We're seeking the face of God more than anything else. We think, I think, the fall will be a, almost like a determining time for the church. I, I really believe that. I believe it's going to tell me a lot about me, about my ministry. I believe it's going to be very revelatory. If we go through the prayer and the fasting and we still just struggle financially, numerically, and we struggle and we struggle, and, and there's no revival, there's no move of God, then I don't really know what else to do. But I'm believing God. I'm believing. I'm believing Mike for big things because he's a big guy, okay? I'm tired of business as usual, Terry. I'm tired of just Stuff, man, I'm ready for God to move. I'm ready for Great Hills Baptist Church to get on, get on and moving and soaring and things are happening. So you alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens. Hear the creation. With all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Can you see this? Can you see the Levites standing up and they're just praising God. And then they say, you are the Lord God who chose Abram. You brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and you gave him the name 
Abraham, the father of many nations. What a name. You found his heart faithful before you, and you made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites. That's why you don't need to be worshiping their gods, because I delivered you from them. I delivered you from that. Don't be worshiping those pagan deities, those fake gods. And I gave you the land. I gave it to your descendants, and you have performed your words, for you are righteous. You saw the affliction. Watch it, guys. Watch creation, choosing Abraham, and then the next climactic event was the Exodus and Moses. You saw the affliction of your fathers in Egypt, and you heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all of his servants, and against all the people of his land, for you knew that they were acting proudly against them, my people. So you made a name for yourself as it is this day. God make a name for himself at Great Hills Baptist Church. People say, what, what church do you go to? I go to church where the name is, is worshipped, where Jesus reigns supreme. That's where I go to church. And God gets praise and glory, and he gets fame and honor, and it's all about Jesus at Great Hills Baptist Church, the radio church. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you divided the sea before them, the miraculous, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors, you threw them in the deep. Come now, <laughs> just say it. You sent them into the depths of the ocean like a stone in the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. You came down, O God, on Mount Sinai, and you spoke with them from heaven, and you gave them ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. Y'all remember Charlton Heston? Remember him coming down, you know, off the mountain? Moses got the tablets, the Decalogue, the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. Not talking about Charlton Heston, I'm talking about Moses. Here he is with the good laws, the good commandments of God. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath. And you commanded them precepts and statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. We're almost done. Watch this. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. Y'all remember that? The manna? Remember the birds, the dove, whatever it was they were eating? And you brought them water out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them, go and possess the land which you had sworn to give them. So Great Hills Baptist Church, I, I, I've never done this before in my life. I've never led a church to do 40 days of prayer and fasting. I've, I, I'm, just, I'm just asking you, if you would, if you're a member of the church, just come all in with us and just let's do it. Let's just do it and see what God does between August 8th and September 17th. I'll tell you something else I'm trying to do, but he's such a close friend, he won't reply to me. <laughs> We're just like that. We're really close. But I got a guy in mind. I think he's the guy to preach a revival service for us at Great Hills. And I love this brother. And I've got a date in mind, and I want to call the church to a time in October of just an old-fashioned revival, okay? You say, like, like show up at night, and yes, that's, that's, what I'm on, that's what I'm going to try to do, all right? Say, as long as it's not on Saturday and doesn't interfere with college football, I'll come. All right, well, thank you. Appreciate that, because it's not on a Saturday, unless God extends it. And the guy I'm asking to come, I've only asked him one other time, and we had to extend the revival. 
Just this anointing of God is on his life. And if I tell you his name, you would say, I've never heard of him. And that's true, you haven't. John, if you're listening, respond to me to tell me you're coming, all right? October 8th through 11, I just feel like we're going to have a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night revival, all right? And, and, and by the way, I, I'm almost done. Whenever I've tried to do something on a night, a Sunday night at Great Hills, the, the chosen ones come. <laughs> Terry, I'm not, I'm not serious. I mean, we, we could have Billy Graham, I think, come out of the woods of North Carolina and I think a couple hundred people would come and hear him on Sunday night. I really do. So you're going to look like an idiot if this doesn't work. And you're right, I will. It won't be the first time. But I'm going to call this revival and I'm going to ask you to come. Look, look around. The church looks full this morning. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could have this many people on a Sunday night? On a Monday night? And we're having revival services? Man. A Baptist jig up here, man. I'll be excited. <laughs> so I'm going to pray. We'll have our invitation. We'll get out early. God bless you. We'll take up the offering too. God, we do thank you for our time together. Thank you for this great church. Lord, please, I, I meant it with all my heart, God, when I said, may our great days be today, Lord, in the future where the Spirit of God just moves in unprecedented ways. Lord, we'd see revival. We'd see people's lives change. We'd see marriages healed, oh God. We have marriages in this church, Jesus, that need to be healed. Would you do that kind of thing? Lord, would you remove demonic spirits? God, would you give people jobs? Would you just heal people? God, would you do all kinds of amazing things? Not because of us, Lord, or our glory. God, it's you. It's your fame. It's your name. It's what we're pursuing. So, Lord, would you do it? And Lord, like the children of old, the children of Israel of old, may we fast, may we consecrate ourselves, may we set ourselves apart, may we confess our sins, may we read the Bible, the Word of God, not just on Sunday when the pastor preaches, but Monday through Saturday as well. And then, Lord, may there be corporate praise and petition and worship. Lord, you did all of this in the past. Would you do it again? I'm, I'm pleading with you, oh God, to do it again, Lord. And move upon this church and move upon this city, this nation, this world. And friend, your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you have something to confess before God and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, would you do that even now? And I invite you to do that. The Bible says if you call upon his name, he will hear you. He will answer you. Maybe you would just say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. Come into my life. Be my king, and I, I, I'm going to serve you. I want to live for you. And the Bible says that's salvation. You'll be born again. Would you do that today? Some of you are here today, and you need to follow those three right up the steps and follow Jesus in believer's baptism and, and so consecrate and separate yourself from the world and say, I'm, I'm serious. I'm following Christ. Others of you today need to come and be a part of this church, and there's a process in that. We, we want to take you as you are. We want to nurture you. We want to give you some instruction and help you. And then we want to release you just to be all that God's called you to be and use your gifts and your passions for the Lord and for our church. If God's so moving upon your heart and you want to take those first steps, you come on. Man, we got some great people here that will talk to you and encourage you.
And finally, Lord, I just, just love you, God. I love this church. I, I just believe, Lord, that you have a big, big day's coming. Help us not to miss you, God. Help, our, help us not to miss you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing to the Lord. God bless you as you sing and as you come.